You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number, are you ready for this? 1,500. This is our 1,500th interview. Wow, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And boy, do we have a great guest for you. A successful serial entrepreneur, Don DiCostanzo of Pedago Electric Bikes, a lifelong love of cycling and a hatred, shared hatred of hills, prompted serial entrepreneur Don DiCostanzo to co-found Pedago Electric Bikes in 2008. Wow, you've come a long way in, since 2008 with his best friend, Terry Sherry, starting with his own capital, no experience in the biking industry. Don's parlayed his automotive industry experience and entrepreneurial know-how to build the best electric bike company in the world. And today, Pedego is the number one electric bike brand in the U.S. I've asked Don to come on to share. He's been a repeat guest. You know, we don't do this a lot in Critical Mass Radio Show, but he was on before, back in the earlier days. Now he's here to talk about the great success. Don, welcome to back to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me for your 1500th episode. I'm honored. I uh, couldn't think of anybody better to do it. I appreciate the fact that you were able to make the time. So for those that may not know about Pedego Electric Bikes, which I guess that could be the case, why don't you, first of all, talk about the firm and what makes you and your brand unique in the marketplace, Don? Well, I think the, the single most important factor in uh, the category of electric bikes is it's still in the early adopter phase and most people don't really understand what an electric bike is. So what's made our formula work is the fact that we don't ask people to go out and buy one. We suggest they go rent one and try one out and ride one for a couple of hours and see if it suits them. We generally find out and usually within the first five minutes they've made a decision that they want one Okay. because they, they get a sense of empowerment and they get that sense when they're going up a hill. Most people who ride bikes love bike riding and they love to go down a hill, but going up a hill is not so much fun. Mm -hmm. I would challenge anybody and they'll, they'll find out when they try it themselves that when they go up a hill, they're going to find it's more fun to go up the hill with an electric bike than it is down a hill. So to do uh, background research in preparation for this interview, my wife Deborah and I were lucky enough to have the opportunity to go to Corona Del Mar here in Southern California and rent two bikes, and we took them for a ride just so I could experience Hello Fun. Now, you've allowed me to ride it, but it's been years since I was on one of your bikes, to be honest. And on PCH, we were riding uh, past Crystal Cove, mm -hmm. and there was a hill grade there going into, what, Newport, I think, or Laguna Beach. And um, I've ridden that on my bike, and there were cyclists there that day, and it was such a joy, Don, just to power right past them. It was, like, awesome. <laughs> it's I, Hello Fun. I'm going up a hill, and it feels uh, invigorating to be able to do that. So I, I can understand how people get hooked pretty quickly on the idea. How do you distribute your product? Well, so that gets back to your same question, what makes us unique? And we've discovered that the best people to offer our bikes are people who are passionate about them. And most of, almost every one of our hundred and some odd dealers start out renting them. Then they end up buying them. And then they call me up and say, hey, I live in Aiken, South Carolina, or I live in Topeka, Kansas. How do I 
I open up a store. Okay. And uh, we've done no advertising to get our stores. They've all been basically organic from people who are passionate about it. And we find they, they're awesome entrepreneurs, and they're committed, and they can relate a lot to the demographic buying them. So tell me about the demographic. Well, the demographic is really 50-plus. Um, we don't find too many people, and the average is probably over 60. The last survey we did was 59-year-old male and 58-year-old female, but we've seen the demographic go up. And with uh, with celebrities like William Shatner, who's 87, and Martha Stewart, who's 77, out promoting and riding our bikes, it's been a huge boom to the people who have given up cycling because when you get to be 50 or 60, Rick, you'll find out when you get there. Right, thank you. Um, that you, you don't have the same energy level that you had when you were 16, and you don't have the same stamina. Yet you still enjoy doing recreational activities. And riding an electric bike is a great recreational activity. In fact, there's statistics that suggest that you may get more exercise, or at least as much exercise, riding an electric bike as you would be a regular bike. And most people say, well, how is that possible? Yeah, how is that possible? And the main reason is because you're going to ride it more often and you're going to ride it longer. Right. So when you had that experience riding down, up and down the hills, you're now without, there's no restrictions. You can go anywhere you want. And you don't worry about going down that big hill because the fear of going up the hill coming back is always a concern. Right. You don't have that anymore. You go down the hills, you go up the hills, you've got the assistance when you need it. But the trick is to pedal while you're doing it. You don't yes. have to. I, th- I think the key is, and we rode it, we had a full day, but we could only ride it a half day. And so we, we the battery life, I mean, we hardly taxed the battery and we went quite a ways in that morning that we rode it. We stopped for lunch and we just couldn't, st- I wanted to go the other way then, right? Go north away from Corona Del Mar, but that'll be another day. What I noticed is, it seems to me, the ideal would be pedal assist, where you're pedaling, but the bike is just helping you to kind of smooth out the hills and a little bit of the, you know, the making, you're still putting the energy into the bike, but you're not being heavily taxed by the terrain. Well, so you're 100% accurate. There's three ways to ride in a, a pedago. One is is to pedal it like a regular bike. And if you want to get exercise, that's a good way to do it because it weighs a little more than heavier than a regular bike, and you'll get plenty of exercise. The second way to do it is to use the throttle, and that allows you to ride the bike and not have to pedal at all. Right. The third and the most sensible way to do it is to use one of the five levels of pedal assist that we put on the bikes where you've got one through five levels of assist depending on how fast you want to go and how much energy you want to put into it. And most people find they only need one or two levels of energy unless they come upon a big hill mm-hmm. and then they want to get up that hill really fast and then they may hit the throttle to help them overcome that hill so they end up at the top of the hill not being totally out of breath and discouraged where they get to the top of the hill and now they're going to continue on cycling so the best way to ride it is using the combination of the pedal power human power and the power that goes in it so i can remember uh, years ago, you and I were standing at an event, and you, as an entrepreneur, said to me that you wanted the Pedigo to be the brand recognized, the Kleenex of the electric bike industry. How are you doing against that strategic goal? Well, I, I, you know, by most measurements, we're doing very well. We did that by opening our own branded stores. Nobody else has done that in this category. And most people will talk about riding their e-bike or they'll talk about riding their Pedigo. Okay. And, and I, I, the goal was to be like Harley-Davidson. You know, you, you go ride your Harley or you go ride your motorcycle. You don't go say, I'm going to go ride my BMW or my Yamaha. Uh-huh. And I, I read everything up and studied what Harley did to achieve that. And we're doing the same things they did to achieve that brand recognition. So when they go out and ride their bike, they're going to go 
and I'm going to go out and ride my Pedigo. So most of the, our customers now refer to it as their Pedigo. And that was through a whole variety of things. Social media was important, training our dealers to use the name, not to classify as generically as an e-bike or as, as, as you know facial tissue, right. but we'd rather be Kleenex or Harley-Davidson. And I think by all measurements, we've achieved that. Well, I said in the open, you're rated by a, one research firm as the number one bike brand in the U.S. And right. so how much technology, we're kind of hopping around here a little bit, hope you don't mind. How much technology has, how much has the technology on the bikes changed from 2008 till now? Well, 2008 was the year that Pedego was formed because two very critical things happened that year. I was in the electric bike business two years prior to that. Oh, you were? And I had a retail store in Newport Beach selling electric bikes. And I was selling all the brands I could find, and they were few and far between. And they did a horrible job of customer service. They had ugly bikes, and they really didn't care about the customer. <laughs> and it was difficult. So I began building my own, and that's when I realized there was an opportunity because two things happened. The, a three-phase motor came out for electric, which made the motors much smaller smaller and much lighter. Okay. And the second thing that happened is lithium batteries became of age. And if you think back to electric cars, most of them failed because they were using lead-acid batteries. Mm -hmm. So the single most important factor was the lithium battery. That allowed us, instead of going 10 miles and having a life expectancy of 100 charges, to go to 2,000 charges in a range of 50, 60, 70 miles. That was the game changer for okay. us. So that so, technology, so te enabling technology. Then. Right. And I wouldn't give it technology so much as I would say chemistry. Because the chemistry, people say, well, the price will come down because it's technology, but it's not as chemistry. And they, unless they change mm -hmm. chemistry, their price, the value of lithium costs X amount of dollars. And that's not going to go away until another technology evolves for battery storage. We're going to live with lithium for a long time. But that was the game changer for us. Hmm. So the, the volume shipments are picking up. How did you head on HelloFun? Well, that's a great question. We always knew we sold fun, and we always say we sell fun. I mean, our very first catalog says, you know, buy some fun. We sell fun. And that was kind of been our mantra. And then one day, um, I saw a posting on social media from our, D our, our distributor in the UK, and he said, hello, fun with a comma and then the dot, dot, dot. And I said, oh, my God, that is it. So we started adopting it, and then we ultimately trademarked it. Mm -hmm. So because that's really what people are. They're looking. Everybody looks to find a little bit of fun in their life. And I don't know what you can buy today for any amount of money that will give you as much fun as riding an electric bike that you can do every day. You can say, well, for fun, I can go take a vacation. Well, great. A week, two weeks, whatever. It's over. If you invest in an electric bike, you can have fun every day that the weather allows you to. You decide to do that. And I don't know what else you can buy that will do that for you. Well, I, I've also, in some of the articles that I've been looking at about your brand and the success that you've had, people are using it as a commuter tool. And in heavily congested areas like Los Angeles, people even comment that they're able to get to and from work more expeditiously on the on the Pedego than if they were sitting in their electric car because of the traffic. Well, the whole idea of micro-mobility is really taking off all over the world because electric allows for that, whether it's an electric scooter, an electric bike, electric skateboard, or an electric car, electric mobility is where it's going to be happening. And some people predict that, you know, in the next 10 years, everything's going to go electric. It makes a lot of sense, especially if you're solar powered, like my house is solar powered, right. so I can charge my bike and my electric car at my house and never have to go <laughs> on the grid. And so anything to do with uh, micro mobility. In our particular case, most of our buyers are not transportation people yet. I think that's going to evolve. Okay. Most of the buyers are recreational buyers. They're just like you and your wife. Right. Go to Corona tomorrow. You want to spend a day. You want to go on a date. You want to go, you know, 
know, go get a cup of coffee, meet up with friends. Electric bike gives you that tool to be able to do that and not have to worry about the hills or arriving sweaty or anything like that. And most importantly for a lot of cyclists, you don't have to clean up. You don't have to put all the garb on to ride the bike. You can just go there and have a recreational experience. Right. I, I could see it as a uh, my wife uh, works six miles away from our house. And you know, we had that conversation. This would be a very easy ride for her using this bike because there's a major hill between our house and her school where she teaches. So th- this knocks that ride out. I mean, you can just go up that hill no problem. So we've talked a lot of good things. Uh, you, you made news last year based on some decisions you made as a business owner and entrepreneur here in the U.S., and it relates to the U.S.-China trade tariffs. Can can you set the context and tell us a bit about how you saw that impacting your business and then as an entrepreneur what you did about it? Sure. Well, in business, I always look at you know what's the problem and what are the possible solutions. In this particular case, the problem was that we were surprised with a in June we were surprised with the government decided to include electric bicycles in the 25% tariff. So all the bikes that we would import will then have an additional 25% cost, which would be a significant impact on it. So we decided to say, well, should we fight it or should we adapt to it? We decided to take both roads because we didn't know what was going to be happen. So in August, I went and testified in Washington, D.C. at the Trade Commission against the tariffs and the reasoning for them. That went on that didn't happen. They, the tariffs stayed in place. But fortunately, a month before the tariffs were announced, I was in Vietnam looking for alternate sources for our European production, which had an 81% tariff slapped on them by the Europeans. So we knew we had to move some production to Vietnam, and we'd already set up to move our European production. When this happened, by September, we'd moved all our production from China to Vietnam and Taiwan. So we're able to, uh, we have to pay a little bit more in logistic costs and a little bit more to have them produced because the labor costs in Taiwan are more, but we're able to avert uh, paying the tariffs going into 2019. 2018, we had to bite the bullet and okay. pay. But in 2019, we're now geared up. And if the tariffs go away, we'll probably stay in Vietnam because we found it's a good environment. Yeah, that was my question. Is this a temporary placeholder or have you redesigned your your value chain and your supply chain? We've redesigned it. And fortunately for us, our competitors couldn't react. Our big competitors, there's no supply, there's no uh, capability, capacity there for them to move there. And our smaller competitors couldn't afford to do what we were doing. So we were in what I call wow. the sweet spot. We're in a spot where we're probably one of the few companies on the planet that aren't going to have to pay the tariffs in 2019. So, you know, my, my third book, uh, Unintended Consequences of Strategic Business Decisions, this, this feels like you responded in a, you had a positive unintended consequence to that situation by the reaction that you took and the action that you took early. Well, that's exactly right. And that was an unintended consequence. It ends up giving us a competitive advantage when it could have been it could have been unfortunate for us and for all our competitors. For us, it wasn't unfortunate. It actually could turn out to be a very com- a strategic advantage for us. Wow. So let's let's I'm going to move back to your distribution network here in the United States, your dealers. What is your relate? Can you talk about that? What, Absolutely. What's your rela- relationship with them? Not your personal relationship, but what's the business structure that you have for your dealer network? Well, we 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 began just having a handshake deal. We said you open up a store, you put Pedigo on it. You know, we'll support you. And that was good in the first five or six stores. And then we realized we needed an agreement. So we created a license agreement that suggested, hey, we'll support you, you support us, and let's have an agreement. And then we decided to move to a franchise model. And we hired a company out of Chicago called iFranchise Group. And we paid about $125,000 to turn our business model into a franchise model. Okay. And at the beginning of that, the uh, the president of the company told me that, you know, only 95% of the company go through it, go through with the franchise, 5% 
percent of the people decide after they've been through the whole process not to do it. And I said, well, what kind of person would spend all this money and then not do it? And I turned out to be that person. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and the reason we did yeah, it is why? we found out that it would be it would, might create a, a very um, unfavorable environment between us and our dealers. Uh, we just didn't think with the relationship we had, we felt them paying us a franchise fee. They might feel disenfranchised, for okay. lack of a better term. Yeah. And we've got a great relationship with every one of the dealers. The, uh, we we res honor and respect them, and they honor and respect us. And if they were paying us a franchise fee, we think it could turn acrimonious. Wow. So we decided not to do it, and it turned out to be probably the single best decision we made in the company because we were at about 30 stores at that time uh -huh. and now we're at 107 I think in the US plus a, a bunch around the world and we think we'll have 500 in, over the next few years we'll grow 500 yeah, it's, it's certainly possible okay so we're talking to a network of B business owners CEOs executives what type of person becomes a partner for you and opens a, a, a store for Pedigo We've got everything from people who had no business experience at all and no knowledge of the bike business, and we turn them into entrepreneurs. I think my uh, my proudest accomplishment, I think, has been since I've been at Pedigo, and I've been able to help all these people who didn't know how to be an entrepreneur, become an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. because we provide all the support services they need. Much like a franchisor would provide a franchisee, except we don't charge for it. Right. So we have our own graphic design team, which is their graphic design team. Our back office is their back office. Okay. So, and yeah, you're doing a lot of what a franchisor would do. We help them uh, with forming their LLC, where to do it, how to do it. We help them do site selection. We help them with their lease negotiations. We help them with everything that we do. We help them with store setup, with signage, everything. And we don't charge for any of it. The only profit we make or margin we make is when we sell them bikes. So mm -hmm. our success is tied to their success. Volume. If they open up a store and they're not successful, we failed. Right. If they're successful, the more... And so it's like a marriage. We're codependent on each other. They need us. We need them. And it works for it's for it, it works out really, really well for us. We're talking with Don DiCostanzo. He's one of the co-founders of Pedigo Electric Bikes. And earlier in the um, interview, I heard you say that the, the business model is getting people on a bike. So they can experience what that is like. Is is that what you help your licensees to do in the field, your dealers, is get get out into the community and raise awareness and attract them to the store? Or what's the business development model for a, a new store that opens in a new market? So you said the magic word, raise awareness. Uh, so that's our number one goal, is to get people to try it. We're not out to get them to buy it. We just want them to come into the store and try it. And we know a certain number, once they do it, say, wow, this is for me. This has been life-changing. And we hear that word all the time, and it never gets wow, old. that's powerful. To say that these changed our lives, either we lost weight or our, it helped our marriage. We hear that more times than not. That's something, the marriage? Yeah, it's something that they can do together that's not competitive. And the truth of the matter is usually the wife weighs less than the man, and they can get up the hill faster, so they're waiting at the top <laughs> of the hill. I know that's the case in my case. I, my wife's always waiting for me at the top of the hill because I, I weigh about twice as much as she does. So getting up the hill is a, it, it's not as fast. I mean, I get up there, but it, I, and she gets up there at 15 miles an hour. Mike might get up there at 8 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, it's sort of a magic formula for, for, for social in, uh, connection and for doing some outdoor activity that everybody enjoys. We found golfers particularly get it really quicker, and they're the early adopters for two reasons. Number one, they're already into outdoor recreation. Right. And they totally get an electric golf cart. And to them, it's just a golf cart with two wheels on it. Right. Well, I, you know, I also have seen that you've, 
you've done some strategic partnerships with RV and camping. I mean, you're sort of looking for other niches that your bike would be a natural complement to their lifestyle, right? Yeah, so the most recent one was Travis Matthew, and they came to us, and they're a well-known golf brand and clothing, and there's one in the window of their store right here in Fashion Island. Um, but it started out with Tommy Bahama. Um, I noticed that m- many of our customers wore Tommy Bahama shirts. So I asked him one day, I said, every time I see you, you're wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt. He says, I have 60 of them. Oh my God. I change one every day. In fact, in 61 days, you'll see me wear this shirt again. <laughs> and he said, you should go to Tommy Bahama. So I looked up Tommy Bahama. I contacted him in Seattle. And uh, they said, well, you know, we're in the clothing business. This isn't for us. I said, well, you know, they said, but talk to our licensing department there in New York. So I called their licensing department. They kind of say no. And I said, well, I'm going to be in New York in a couple of weeks. Can I stop in and see you? They said, okay. I said, can I send a bike first? Well, okay. So I get there, and the first thing that uh, the Gina says to me, the person in charge of the license, she goes, you caused a lot of trouble around here. Wow. I said, well, why? How is that? He said, well, everybody loves the bike, and they want to talk about it, and they want to ride it. I said, I need you to get this thing out of here real quick. So we had a 30-minute conversation, and she basically said they weren't interested. So I left. Two weeks later, she calls me up and says, we're very interested in talking to you about electric bikes again. What I changed? said, well, what, that's exactly what I said. She says, our CEO loved the idea. Oh, my God. And the CEO loves an idea. It's a lesson <laughs> it's for all leaders. Everybody loves the idea. And he got the first one delivered to his house in Seattle and posted pictures of it and raved about it. And we had a great relationship with Tommy Bahama. And that kind of put us on the map. It gave Pedigo credibility. Right. Since that, we've done the Ford brand. We do um, Airstream brand. Airstream. These are quality do, yeah, and they've basically contacted us in every case. We haven't actively gone out and chased any of them except for Tommy Bahama. Yeah, to get it started. But that gave us credibility. Wow. So um, let's bring this interview all the way back to kind of how people with celebrity are both enjoying your brand and then their willingness to engage with you and to promote your brand as a lifestyle for what they're doing. So you mentioned some names. Could you just kind of take us through that again, Don? Yeah, well, about six or seven years ago, um, I hear the girls in the office shrieking, and there's a picture on on people.com of Miley Cyrus riding a pedigo. And wow. uh, that was huge. She was out riding, and they had 90 photographs of Miley riding her Pedigo. And you didn't know throughout that? Throughout Toluca Lake. And had no idea. Okay. So she had gone in with her mom and purchased them at our store in North Hollywood. And then uh, after that, uh, uh, Miley's mom went in and got one. Billy Ray wanted one as well, so they went in and bought a. I think they ended up buying eight of them. Oh, my God. And uh, that became the first of how much how important celebrity stardom was. And people still talk about it today. If you Googled Pedigo Miley, you'll see the, the 91 pictures. And the Internet has has a forever lifetime. If you know right. what to look for, it lasts forever. And that was not a paid endorsement. And shortly after that, William Shatner showed up at one of our stores in North Hollywood, and uh, he had bought two cheap electric bikes, and they they couldn't fix them. And uh, the owner of the store called me and said, you know, William Shatner's in here. Can you do anything? I said, I would love to do something. Tell Bill I'll give him two bikes. He gives those in trade, and I'll give him two pedagos in exchange for one photograph. And w- this was just off the top of this your head, was spur of the right moment. On, on the phone call, <laughs> I said, I'd love a picture. <laughs> right. Of, 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 of. So uh, we ended up uh, delivering two bikes to him, and I went there, and I got to know him, spent about an hour chatting with him, and then he rode off down Lancashire Boulevard on his way home on these bikes, yelling, screaming how much fun he's had. <laughs> and then uh, about a year and a half ago, he, that same store owner called me up. He said, Bill's back in here, and he wants to upgrade to your latest Platinum Interceptor. And I said, tell Bill it's the same deal. And Bill said, tell Don it's a deal. Hmm. So I went up and met with him. We delivered the bikes, and uh, he said, I'd like to do more for you. I said, well, Bill, I'd love to do a video with you riding the bikes. He goes, well, I can do that. I said, what would you like? He said, I'd like 
pet goes for my entire family. Wow. And I said, well, Bill, how many people in your family? <laughs> he right. said, 14. <laughs> I said, deal. And I stuck out my hand, and then we did that. And then that evolved into us shooting commercials. We just finished uh, shooting, they're airing now, three commercials that we filmed in Hollywood stu- at, at Universal Studios for 12 uh-huh. hours. Wow. And Bill shot three fabulous, all three of them are winners. And um, we've become friends over the time frame. Awesome individual, 87 years old, treats me like I'm one of his family. And I've gotten to know him really well. And he's just an awesome, awesome, but most importantly, authentic spokesperson for the brand. And we've never paid Bill anything. I mean, we've given him bikes and such. But to me, that's authenticity. Martha Stewart, the same thing. Uh, Martha liked the bikes. We got her some bikes. And she was willing to... Uh, put her stamp of approval on them and give us a blog post. And that, again, it's authentic. We didn't pay anything for it. Right. And so we've got now everybody from Vin Diesel all the way down to a long list. Yeah, of that's surprising. Probably like Vin 20. Diesel? I mean, it's, the, the, the breadth of the type of people that enjoy the bike and are proud of riding it and want to be seen on it, it's amazing. Yeah, we've been very fortunate in that regard. There's something about the experience that translates to the human part regardless of their status and their you know their celebrity it feels like i mean your tagline and and what you've hit upon seems to be transcendent to people once they get their self on one of your bikes well i've never met anybody whether they're two or 92 that didn't want to have fun and our bikes are fun you can say anything you want about them but pedagos are fun to ride and everybody who rides them has that same experience and the celebrities are no different sam rubin had this exact same experience he got to know him through through interviewing uh, bill shatner and sam got involved and now he has pedagos and now he's spreading them out to the celebrity uh, world about it and uh he you know can i get one for this can i get one for that and i've got the same program um i'll give you a bike for a picture and, but I want an authentic. I mean, I want it to be that you want right. to ride the bike and that you're going to use it. So. You know, one of the things that I've marveled at what you've been able to do, because I've been watching you since you were here on the show and we, we kind of talk occasionally, is how much exposure you, you've been able to get in different major publications for your brand and for your messaging. both, But not just for your brand, but for you as an entrepreneur and for you and your business model. You, you've done a very good job, I think, of being able to demonstrate what the power of media can do for a brand regardless of the size. Because you weren't always the size you are today, Don, but yet you were getting media exposure at that time. 25 years ago, I was on a plane ride from um, Chicago to Los Angeles, and I sat next to Augie Nieto. And Augie's a, uh, the founder of Life Fitness, mm-hmm. and he was kind of grumbling about how he sold it to Bally's and how and a lot of things happened in Augie's life. But he shared with me his secret to success, and he, and he ended up sending me a book of all the PR that he did. He said he never spent a dime in advertising. He spent all his money on PR, wow. and that changed my life and changed my attitude. So we hired the best agency we could, Terry Sawyer, T and Company, and they've done a phenomenal job. Her and her uh, partner, Terry, uh, um, uh, Sandra, have done an unbelievable job in getting the word out for us. So we gave them the content, and they took it and got us New York Times, L.A. Times, Wall Street, Wall Street Journal, Journal, Entrepreneur, I mean, Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc. Magazine, all these things. All the, you just they're all a list, a list, and we're just beginning. Right, and this is, and, and that's frankly, I believe in the power of peer learning. So your story about getting that advice from Augie is awesome, and frankly, we've used you in the critical mass community um, to say if you want to focus on 
growing your brand and having a brand because not enough small and middle market companies think about their company as a brand. It doesn't have to be a B2C product. It can be B2B. They think of it as a as a way to create revenue and value, but they don't think of the brand equity that they could create through public relations and other smart marketing activities. But you've certainly done that, my friend. Well, it's the most affordable way to do it if you get the right company to do it, and they can get the word out for it. And you've got, you've got a great message, too. That helps. Right. Hello, fun. Right. Okay, so I've got to wrap it up. I hate to do this, but um, where are you going to be the next time I have you back on the radio show? Where is Pedigo in a couple years out, Don? Well, I see us to continue to grow. We've been growing at anywhere between 20 and 40% a year, and we're going to continue that trend. We're up 46% just out of the box here Jeez. in January. So we're very optimistic. The whole space, um, and we're taking a different approach. Our approach is we're not selling electric bikes. And all our competitors, buy my bike, buy my bike. Right. We're not about that. We're about try it. If it's something for you, then then you need to consider. Not, if not buying one, consider renting them when you're on vacation. And we're doing tours all over the world now on Pedagos. We my just goodness. finished this week in Corona Del Mar. We did uh, uh, Napa. We're doing uh, Santa Barbara and uh, San Diego. And then we're doing Cape Cod in the, in the spring. So people can go on an adventure, show up for three days, and have a, a great ride on Pedagos in different places. Well, you know, again, we're talking to CEOs, business owners, and entrepreneurs. I would like to challenge those that are listening to this either live or on one of our podcasting platforms or YouTube later on. If you're an entrepreneur, there's got to be other ways for entrepreneurs to take your platform and create a business model around it, whether it's an excursion, a tour, a, some type of a adventure, a backpacking. I mean, I just for me, I just think that the platform makes it so that you could do things that you couldn't do if you didn't have the vehicle with which to do it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, we're an experience economy. Yes. Everybody wants to have an experience. Yes. You and your wife had an experience yes. when you were riding. Everything becomes an experience. And we and told our friends about it. And then it becomes a memory. And you can't buy a memory. A memory is something you experience. So once you go out and experience something like that, you remember it, and then you maybe want to repeat it and do it again sometime, or tell your friends about it, or in some cases, both. If you are interested in learning more about Pedigo, how do they find you online, Don? Pedigo.com, P-E-D-E-G-O. It's ped, pedal, add a little bit of E, which is energy or electricity, (laughs) and then you go. Go. So it's Pedigo. We made the name up. The URL was available, and it's turned out we a brand is what you make it and what you made it into. A made-up name, we made it into a brand. Well, you're like a marketing genius over here. Thank you. This is awesome. This is... Uh, I'm so honored to have you as our 15th guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show Podcast. Thank you for being a friend of the community and giving up your time, my friend. Thank you, Rick. I've enjoyed it. All right, I'd also like to thank our engineer for today, Mr. Paul Roberts, our three producers without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.